Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, him interview of life who Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from James chapter 3 and 4. James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. To be sure, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a fully mature man, able to bridle his whole body as well. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships. Although they are very big and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it also boasts great things. Consider how a little flame can set a large forest on fire, and the tongue is a fire. It is set among the parts of our body as a world of unrighteousness that stains the whole body, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Indeed, every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and sea creature is being tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one is able to tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, my brothers. These things should not be this way. A spring does not pour out both fresh and bitter water from the same opening, does it? Can a fig tree bear olives, my brothers, or can a grapevine produce figs? A salt spring cannot produce fresh water either. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him, by his good way of living, show that he does things in wise humility. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and lie contrary to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. In fact, where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and every bad practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then also peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who practice peace. Chapter 4 Where do conflicts and quarrels among you come from? Don't they come from your cravings for pleasure, which are at war in the parts of your body? You want something, but do not get it, so you murder. You desire something, but cannot obtain it, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask, and yet do not receive, because you ask wrongly, so that you may spend it on what gives you pleasure. Adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture has no reason for saying that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? But he gives greater grace. That is why it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be changed into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother is speaking against the law and judging the law. But if you judge the law, you are not the one who does the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and one judge. He is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that city, spend a year there, do business, and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Indeed, it is a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Instead, it is better for you to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and will do this or that. But right now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, for the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, this is sin. This is the word of our God. With these words, James continues his very strong and perhaps even startling, even perhaps even shocking um, admonition to a group of Jewish believers, a group of Jewish believers who certainly knew better, but were instead using God's grace and the blessings of their Lord, and instead using their own knowledge and their own background in the faith as an excuse to go on sinning, as an excuse to say, well, I'll do what I want today, and as long as I ask for it, then maybe I can spend it on what I want. And as long as I say the right thing and I make sure that I keep up the right appearances with the right people and I watch what I say in the right places, then everybody will think well of me and I will not have anything to disturb my petty little conscience. Maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but maybe not. Maybe it's um, maybe it's an overstatement for us, but it might be exactly where the readers in this letter, the original intended audience, it might be exactly where they were what they needed to hear, that God's grace is not an excuse for sin, that God's goodness is not an excuse to take advantage, but rather, but rather, God isn't interested in simply the right appearances at the right time and keeping face in the right way. God is interested in the heart. This is the exact same thing that the Old Testament prophets, the minor prophets, which we are also working through during this year, all the minor prophets convict God's people of the same, of the same sort of outward attempt at a godly form of worship, but inwardly, inwardly there is nothing. And so what would James have us do? He would have us turn from a wisdom which in its selfish bitterness creates division and produces every sort of poor practice and division among God's people. As he writes here in, uh, I guess, chapter 3, verse 13, Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him, by his good way of living, show that he does things in wise humility. And that summary statement is kind of the transitional statement of chapter 3 where in chapter 3, James began by talking about the influence of our words. And maybe you recognize this, that it's very easy to dash off a quick email or respond in a text in a way that is angry. It is very easy to let our emotions get the best of us and to think in our own minds that we are justified. And how much of a firestorm that word can start. How much, even just not in the bare words that we say, but in the way we say them, the implication, the implied meaning, the attitude behind those words, how much division and strife and heartache and argument we can cause with the little words of our tongue. And so James says, you know, who among us is wise and intelligent? The one who can control his or her tongue, the one who can control and is in control of what he or she says. Let him, by his good way of living, show that he does things in wise humility. 
I think that's one of the, the main themes of this book. And indeed, it kind of falls um, pretty much in the middle, which is a, where a lot of the major themes, especially from Jewish writers, fall. You know, look, look at the Psalms and typically right about the middle verse um, or, you know, right around the middle verse is where you find the main idea of the Psalm. And that style of writing, which places the main idea at the center, is something that you build up to and then build away from and make applications from. And James is really encouraging the readers to live in wise humility, a wise humility that is not the foolishness of the unbeliever, but the wisdom of one who has been informed by the truth, the wisdom of one whose heart and life has been shaped by the word of God, the wisdom of one who knows that this world is not the extent of everything, but this world is passing away, but the life to come is forever. But wise humility, knowing that we have everything, that we have been given the mysteries of fullness in Christ in all things. And that makes us humble. That makes us humble because we know this does not come from ourselves. And there's no place for for um, animosity among people. There's no place for thinking that I am better than anybody else. But there is every place for humility. Who am I that my Lord would have such mercy on me? I am nobody. Indeed, even worse, I am a dirty, rotten sinner. But God, in Jesus Christ, has had mercy upon me. That is the wise humility that James talks about here, that we turn to God, who gives true wisdom and understanding, who alone can save humans from fruitless and arrogant wisdom, and God alone gives true wisdom that is characterized by meekness and productive of the good. Let him, by his good way of living, show that he does these things in wise humility, and a wisdom whose purity attests that, that its origin is from God, an active and graciously productive wisdom that is certain of its faith. The, as he says in verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then also peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And that kind of brings to mind, where are we today? As Christians who recognize that this world is slowly spinning downward toward its eventual demise and that things will continue to get worse. And where are we today? We have an incredible opportunity because the, even the, the mildest and weakest of lights shines brightest in a dark area. It's like you go into um, a dark room and that child's nightlight makes all the difference in the world to them, even though that nightlight is simply a tiny little LED light that barely draws any current at all. But that minor little light in a dark place makes all all the difference in the world. And so James encourages us, please also, by your good way of living, show that you do things in wise humility, a wisdom that is informed and shaped by the word of God, a humility that has characterized your life, and that, that we recognize that the good things we have are from our Lord, and that he will continue to bless us with good things according to his gracious will and at his best time. Which leads us directly into chapter 4, that wise humility is totally against the attitude of loving the world, that James convicts the readers, and indeed you and I, um, he convicts us of wanting the approval of the world, or at least hoping for the pleasures that we can gain from this world. 
He uses the phrase adulterers to describe his hearers. Don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And you can almost hear the echo of the minor prophets talking about idolatry as spiritual adultery of loving someone or something else more than God. Or do you think that scripture has no reason for saying that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? And so what shall we do? What shall we do? We shall guard our words for sure. Let us watch what we say and how we say it, that what we say may be used for building one another up instead of using God's grace and God's goodness and God's patience as an excuse, rather using God's grace and God's goodness as further reason to live for him in a world that continues to spin into darkness. And so what shall we do? What shall we say? Perhaps it would be best to conclude with a little bit from the large catechism where Luther talks about the eighth commandment. Um, when he says, refers to James chapter three, that this commandment, the eighth commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, forbids all sins of the tongue with which we may injure or confront our neighbor. To bear false witness is nothing else than a work of the tongue. Now God prohibits whatever is done with the tongue against a fellow man. Yes, this applies to false preachers with their doctrine and their blasphemy. This applies to false witnesses and false judges with their verdict, and even outside of court in lying and speaking of evil. But here particularly belongs the detestable shameful vice of speaking behind a person's back and slandering, to which the devil spurs us on, and of which much more could be said. For it is a common evil plague that everyone prefer prefers hearing evil more than hearing good about his neighbor. We ourselves are so bad that we can, cannot allow anyone to say anything bad about us. Everyone would much prefer that all the world should speak of him in glowing terms, yet we cannot bear that the best be spoken about others. What shall we do? What shall we say? Well, we shall do our best to avoid slander, which is telling lies about somebody else. And we shall do our best to avoid gossip, which is telling the truth about somebody else, but without a loving intent behind it. Because in so doing, as we strive to control the way that we talk and the way that we build each other up, we provide a consistency in our confession of talk and our confession of walk. That what we say, we believe in church and the words that we refrain and we sing and we repeat and we train our mouths to speak with in church, those, those topics that we talk about easily in church and that we learn to talk about with our fellow Christians those topics and those ideas and those truths begin to permeate the rest of our lives as well so that we are in a sense a whole person um completely i guess the the buzzword from probably 20 years ago is authentic that who you are and who you present yourself as at church is the same person that you are on a friday night or a tuesday morning all the above and for what purpose because then god is glorified even in you and in me then the work that he continues to do within us in that work of sanctification shines through to the glory of his name and finally here's the bottom line you'll have opportunity to speak of his grace so that others may also hear of this jesus whom we honor this jesus who has promised you a life after this life who has promised you all things so let us be wise with what we say and how we say it. Let us also be considerate that we don't let our words distract from the reality and the truth of our Savior. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raise With Jesus podcast. I know you have lots of options out here in podcast land. I want to thank you for spending a few moments with us. God bless your day.